What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. The bears come from Wall Street and crypto carnage, making sense of and staying steady through the sell-offs with investor and crypto bull Anthony Scaramucci. We're in a bloodbath. Uh, this is my eighth bear market. I expect to survive this one as well. And a pinch of food price inflation all along the supply chain. The CEO of Stu Leonard's, Stu Leonard Jr. You can feel it out there from the suppliers uh, that, that their costs have gone up. Just look at the diesel fuel to put in their tractors and their fishing boats. Those stories plus gas prices, market technicals, and box office treats. Another summer blockbuster. I don't know how these dinosaurs got back this time. It's Monday. It's June 13th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one, cue, please. Good morning. Welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. And last week, the Dow was down by 4.6%. The S&P was down by more than 5%. And the NASDAQ composite was down by 5.6%. In fact, if you take those losses and add them up to what we've seen, you will see that our indices are far off their record highs. This is all coming as we have an FOMC meeting for the Fed's waiting for, waiting for the Fed's decision on Wednesday. And there's a, a lot the market's anticipating again after those hot numbers that we saw for inflation on Friday. 75 is back yep. on the table, supposedly. Basis points, I would assume. Yeah. And then stretches for far out beyond that. There are even people saying maybe Where'd you go to 100? the threat for intra-meeting hikes to... Right not just on these days that have been promised. And the Dow's down only 15%. I mean, what's a, what's a realistic Dow pullback in this? We're gonna have Katie Stockton on. She says, a cyclical bear in a secular bull. I'd settle for that at this point. To know that it's still a secular bull? Yeah. <laughs> to, to just assume we'll go down 20 well, on Last time she was on, I thought, she thought that things were gonna be sort of flat-ish and then this fall, if there was going to be some form of capitulation, that's when it was coming. Wasn't that the... It's happening. It's happening sooner? Unless it's starting now and we hit the actual lows as we get close to the fall, which I don't know how much further. If we go to thir like 3,800 on, on the S&P, we feel this right now. There's a lot of pain and with the, what's going on in the NASDAQ. It's frightening. But we're 3,800 on the S&P. I mean, the ultimate lows that she talked about were 3,200. 3,200. So what's right. 600 divided by... 3,800. Less than 20, yeah. That's like another, that's like they add on another bear market right. almost, or a correction plus more. Talking about pain, uh, you probably felt it over uh, the weekend at the pump. The average price of a gallon of gasoline topping $5 in the U.S. for the first time ever. I think I paid $4.97. The average price in 22 states is above $5 per gallon, according to AAA. Economist Mark Zandi telling CNBC the typical household is spending about $160 more on gas per month than a year ago. Crude prices Right now, we'll show you what a barrel costs you. If we flip the board around, you're going to be looking right now at WTI at 118.79. You didn't find 497 in the city, did you? No, I no. found it on in Connecticut 
I think it was four. Yeah, or maybe it was. It might have been four. It was. It had a four handle. I haven't it seen had a four, four handle. I got four seventy. I had a four We're handle. Four seventy. The place where you pay all cash, and it was a five cent discount per gallon on Sundays. It's five. It's I was close to zero, and it cost me about seventy five or eighty bucks to, to fill That's it up. But a, I have, and I have, a, have a big car. Unfortunately, yeah. a small. I wish it was a longer, a bigger. Um, yeah, it's tank. over. It's over a hundred for for. Uh, I was down in Philadelphia and just outside Philadelphia. I think it was five twenty-nine yeah. a gallon. Everywhere where I am, it's it's well. And you know, if I still put premium in, well, that's then it's, then it's like almost six bucks. Yeah, more than six, I think. So the bear market. The S&P closed on Friday down 19% from its record high. A few weeks ago, the index traded briefly intraday in bear market territory, but recovered just enough to scrape by. That is, until today. At the market open, the S&P slipped 2.4% amid the global sell-off, and now we're back in bear market territory. One risk asset investors are dumping is crypto. Bitcoin dropped to its lowest level since December of 2020, and between Friday and this Monday morning, over $200 billion were wiped from the entire cryptocurrency market. No surprise, the industry is in turmoil. Crypto lending platform Celsius has paused all withdrawals, swaps, and transfers for its 1.7 million customers due to, quote, extreme market conditions. some backstory on Celsius Network. It's a crypto lender, the industry's version of a bank. Celsius offers investors yield by loaning out customer crypto to other investors and institutions, and then returning some of the revenue. Celsius advertises yields of up to 18%, which obviously is pretty attractive. But those high-interest accounts have come under scrutiny. Last year, multiple states, Kentucky, Texas, and New Jersey among them, slapped Celsius with cease and desist orders, claiming that the platform's investment contracts count as securities, but aren't registered as such. Another major part of the Celsius puzzle, it's not FDIC insured. To quell concerns from customers, though, Celsius originally said it demands collateral for all loans. But it turns out it does do non-collateralized loans, which is risky for investors, especially from an institution without government deposit insurance, especially when, in the middle of this year's crypto slide last month, Celsius was down over half of its assets. It went from $26 billion in late 2021 to less than 12. The concern is that there's crypto contagion, and Celsius is going to make it worse. Cryptocurrencies fell on the company's announcement this morning, and it's all coming on the heels of a $60 billion meltdown in stablecoin TerraUSD just last month. This story, uh, I don't know how many of these will eventually see. This is what happens as the tide goes out, right? There's, there's stress in the system uh, that you would that you would have to think. Just the idea that they're not going to let people take their coins back out on this. By the way, wasn't it promising like 18% yields, which I don't understand. And, and that's one of the reasons I would separate Celsius from, from a Coinbase, by the way, in terms of the leverage in the system. Just the, the, the idea that it, it's just a classic, it seems like a run. It seems like a run on Celsius, right. at least. And you don't know how far the run goes. And Coinbase is fine. But remember, they did have that weird comment that we talked about at length at the time that, you know, get in line. If, right. if it really hits the fan. You're going to get in line with, with everybody else. Yeah. But I, I, I still don't understand entirely how they just shut this down. And there goes any 
credibility they have. There goes any faith in the system with these things. I, it's, well, you know what? I, is it because it, everybody's got margin But it calls shouldn't be so leveraged. It, it shouldn't be so leveraged, but it is because things should not be, we shouldn't be having these discussions at 23,000 when at 10,000 there were no discussions. So on the way up, when it got near 60, and that was long before Matt Damon started talking about um, you know, the brave, only the brave, it's whatever. It's probably connected to the market dropping, too. If people need to take their coins out to make sure they're making margin calls on other things they had in the markets, the broader markets. But here's the credibility. You, you asked, I think, the important credibility question. Do people walk away? Is this a credibility killer? Because we remember, we, I thought, yeah. I would have, no, but I would have thought that when Robinhood had its experience, that would have been described as a credibility killer. You would have decided, if I can't get the I stock. I thought out, so, too. Right. But, but not so much. I actually, in fact, they got more people using the service when that happened. I, I wonder whether this is a different scenario or not. I don't know. It just seems like there are other options, other places you have to store your crypto. You think Michael I mean, Saylor... You, you uh, think that you could go to E-Trade. Is Michael Saylor buying today? I think Michael Saylor, I imagine, is buying... It, it, unless he's run out of money, but, but it, yes. How about the guy in El Salvador? Why, why wouldn't he? I mean, if, you ha if, if these people are as, as, as religious That's what believers... I mean. And if it, they have, it would take real nerve. But you have to have some liquidity. You need some, right. some cash. It would take real nerve to, to step in here, but people are. If you're truly a stacker, you are. Peter Thiel, right. people like that. Next Monday is a, a three-day weekend you're talking about next week. Wait, really? What is it? Juneteenth. Oh, that's right. Okay, good. All right. Uh, Market's closed. And the Monday one, we put, pay our dues this week, and then we get a, a three-day weekend and then a four-day week. Those are the best ways to do it. All right. All right. I'm gonna, Monday, and we're already going to hang on to that. I'm going to hang on to that that thought. The latest uh, chapter in the Jurassic Park series. I don't know how these dinosaurs got back this time. I, I, I'd have to really think about it. Uh, took the top spot at the box office. Do you know what happened? Well, if, I think going back from the last one, we accidentally brought them back to Damn. North America. Hate when that happens. Kind of went I just everywhere. know it's made by a fabulous company. Yes. Yes, yes, oh, yeah, and we're seeing, we're seeing again and again and again. Uh, Jurassic World, so it's, it's, it's universal. Yeah, yeah. we're seeing Comcast, again and again NBC. and again. Yep. Jurassic Park Dominion, uh, let me say that again. Uh, actually, that's not the full name. Go back down, I gotta get it exactly right. Jurassic World Dominion. Dominion. There you go. Jurassic World Dominion brought in $143 million in North American ticket sales in its debut weekend. Uh, the movie was released by Universal. Oh. It is owned by our parent company, Comcast, and uh, it's got like Sam What's-His-Face is in it again, and uh, Laura Dern yep. is in it, and I think they got Ron Howard's daughter back, and she's in it, and that hunky guy from the, you know, that was... Chris with, Pratt? Yep, that guy is yep. in it. I see I've got... Great I film. Need some prevagen. Uh, we were going to talk about Top Gun, which... Which we can... I mean, which is just cool. It's I was just, late to the game. I saw it this weekend. I did too. And it was yeah, it's beyond. not that late. Are we not being? We're not late. No, not that late. Not, not as Becky late. Becky hasn't seen it yet, but it was. It was. It was I mean, so, it's awesome. It was awesome. Whatever they say, it's that and better. Right. It's crazy. And there's nothing you can really point out that says, "God, I wish you know Hollywood's so annoying." I wish they hadn't put that in there. There's none of that. No, there was no cheese. There was no, nothing. No, I don't mean cheese. I mean, right. you I, know, I, tell I, me I, how I need to think about everything. You know what I mean? So yeah, none of that. And it gets your mind off of the markets. Next on Squawk Pod, ugh, the Bitcoin bloodbath with crypto bull Anthony Scaramucci. Whatever's going on in the markets today, zoom out and you can see that there's a great long-term opportunity if you're patient. A measured response to panic right after this.
Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Andrew Osorkin along with Joe Kernan and Becky Quick. And it has been a rough start to the trading week this morning. Are we using the word carnage? We're definitely using the word sell-off. Overnight, uh, crypto lender Celsius announcing it's pausing all withdrawals. The controversial lending platform citing what they're calling extreme market conditions for its decision. The firm has uh, seen its value of its assets drop by more than half since October, and its token sell has now erased 97, I'm going to say it again, 97% of its value in the same time frame. Take a look at Bitcoin right now and some of the other cryptocurrencies because it is a bloodbath this morning. Uh, Bitcoin down now under 24000 We're at $23,609. Ether coming down 20%. We're at $1,186. Join us right now to discuss it all. Anthony Scaramucci, Skybridge Capital founder and CNBC contributor. Anthony, it's, it's good to see you. Um, and I want to get your thoughts on a morning uh, like this. It kind of feels like we are, I don't know if we're doing a full round trip, but uh, we're getting close. Oh, well, a full round trip on crypto or the overall market. I mean, I, 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 think, I think both are in question right now because as you and I both know, interest rates going up, one to 2% rise in interest rates easily take 10 to 15% out of the market, Andrew. So uh, everything's being impacted. But watching you guys this morning, it makes me think of March of 2000. Unfortunately, I'm old enough to remember that, where internet stocks were cratering. Many of the Web 1 stories went to zero. And then, of course, there were a few uh, gems, things like Amazon, that went on to do very well. And I, I, I am encouraged by the fact that Bitcoin is above 50% of the overall crypto market cap right now. Uh, which is, again, another sign that there's a flight to quality there. Now, of course, Celsius is putting pressure on it uh, the same way that the Luna Terra situation put pressure on it about six weeks ago. So uh, we're in a bloodbath. Uh, this is my eighth bear market. I expect to survive this one as well. Uh, but I think it's I just caution people to stay unlevered, uh, but keep to your long-term investment discipline. Everybody has a long-term perspective until they have short-term losses, Andrew, uh, and then they start to set their hair on fire and run around in a circle. I would recommend people just stay disciplined. Uh, and like Joe, don't look at your 401k statement. But Anthony, does, does staying disciplined mean buying on a day like today? Are you out there? I mean, you have been bullish on Bitcoin. If you're a true stacker, 
Is this the time to stack? Listen, I, I certainly think so. And with incremental cash that comes into our funds, we have bought more Bitcoin and Ethereum. Uh, we have a, a private stake in FTX. FTX is doing very well. It's gaining market share uh, and it is a profitable company. Um, so, yes, I mean, the, the, the truth be told, people will look back on this debacle and say, I wish I had fresh cash to buy into that. Could it lay down some more? Certainly. Uh, we, we're, we all know that whatever you think cannot happen on Wall Street likely does happen. Uh, and so we're, we're ready for every scenario. But I think Anthony, the key what, thing it, is Internally, is when you unlevered. say it could leg down, when you say it could leg down to your partners and, and you look at the, the risk reward, what's, what's the low in your mind? And also, what's the opportunity in your mind? Short term. Well, it would be impossible for me to predict the low, but if you were at consensus last week in Austin and you saw all of the robust development that's going on in Web3 and you see the money that's being deployed, uh, I think that the, the upside is enormous. I still believe that Bitcoin can easily get to $100,000 uh, a coin over the next 12 to 24 months, but you're going to have to settle out where the markets are. Uh, and, and listen, we could get better inflation data by the end of the year as the pandemic subsides and as the supply chain starts to get more connected, Andrew. So uh, lots of bad news out there. Everybody I know, I was at the Yankee game yesterday, everybody I know is resoundingly bearish. Uh, that's usually a good sign. You and I were in Davos, Switzerland a few short weeks ago. Everybody resoundingly bearish. The last time people were that bearish was in 2009. Uh, when I was in Davos. So uh, there's a lot of contrary indicators out there. I can't predict the future, but what I can see is there's a tremendous amount of robust development and, and adoption. Remember, these investment banks in 2018, they shelved their cryptocurrency ideas. Today, they're doing derivative trades in things like Ethereum. I don't think there's any going back. Uh, lots of good information out there, lots of positives as it relates to fundamentals. Just the price action is terrible right now. What is your sense of the distinction, though, about how investors might think about Bitcoin versus Ethereum? Ethereum, by the way, off even more than Bitcoin. And some people would argue to you, uh, I think accurately, that Ethereum has, a, has more utility than Bitcoin. Well, I think, I think what's going on here is that these things are wrapped into these other structures like Celsius or Terra Luna. And so... The, the pressure on Ethereum is, is basically because another one of these projects, these quote-unquote stable projects, are very unstable. Um, I don't understand why they're using collateral like Ethereum or Bitcoin, which have 80 vols to them, uh, to try to stabilize something. Okay? That, that doesn't make any sense. And so uh, this will be another project wipeout, uh, and that's put a tremendous amount of pressure on Ethereum. But we like Ethereum, Andrew. We agree with you that there's a, a lot of use cases for that uh, technology, um, tons of uh, robust activity in that space. And so those are the two mainstay anchor tenants for our cryptocurrency exposure at SkyBridge. And so um, I think it's just a matter of time once this stuff flushes out. Again, reminiscent of March of 2000, a lot of my peers gave up on technology as a result of the March of 2000 debacle. And they missed out on a generational opportunity from 2000 to 2022. Whatever's going on in the markets today, zoom out uh, and you can see that there's a great long-term opportunity if you're patient. 
Anthony, where, where were the markets the last time the Yankees were playing like this? Do you, what was that, 11 out of 11 out of 12 yesterday. Was it boring to watch 18 runs yeah, go nah, on? It's never, it's never boring to watch a New York team score 18 runs, Joe. But, like, that would be 1998. That was actually another bad year. You and I are old enough to remember the, long, the long-term capital management debacle. I think that's what uh, it where was. Where the bank seized. They're this dominant. That's the last time. I, I was trying to wonder when last time the Yankees meant the Yankees. The, the Yankees haven't meant the Yankees for a while. Now it means the Yankees again. And yeah, I'm well, not they're, they're, saying I'm happy they're a, about they're it. A great team. They're a great team this year. They won 116 games in 1998. We went through a bloodbath in the markets in 98. Uh, the Fed obviously came to the rescue with a group of banks. That's 24 short years ago. Uh, you're not going to get a lot of relief from the Fed right now. Remember, the administration wants to dampen inflation. They think that's going to be a buzzkill for them in, in, in the midterms and in 2024. Uh, and so they're going to work hard to, to, to kill inflation. I just hope they don't kill the overall markets uh, in the process of killing inflation. But, but we'll, we'll see, Joe. I like where we are. You know, you talk about 2001 and the tech wreck that happened. You know, Amazon would have been a great buy there. Pets.com was not. You look at all of these cryptocurrencies, you look at these stable coins, which are neither stable nor coins. I mean, maybe there's some reason for caution in some of these areas. Maybe not everything here is Amazon. Well, listen, I agree. And we, we've said that repeatedly. There's over 8,000 coins. Many of these projects are going to trade to zero. Uh, but the, there, there will be five to 15 coins, Becky, that we think are going to be use cases for the future. You know, think of the cloud in 2004 and five. People were telling you, OK, we're going to take your confidential data and put it on our server a lot of people didn't want to do that in the beginning. Then they started to adopt that and look at the growth there. I think there'll be, you know, several layer one technologies that are used in the future as a platform for Web3 as we further decentralize the Internet and empower individuals. And so I believe that's going to happen. Um, certainly a lot of these coins are going to get wiped out like the Pets.com story. But remember, even Pets.com, it was a great idea, just a bad time. Chewy took over that market effectively. And so, again, I'm just cautioning people, buy quality and be unlevered and stay disciplined. And uh, recognize that bear markets happen. Uh, they probably happen one out of every five uh, years, if you look at it over the last 120 years. Uh, and if you stay disciplined during those periods of time, uh, you got yourself very wealthy, uh, and I think that's the message for investors. Hey, Anthony, you go back to 2000. I don't know if you saw, there was actually a fascinating piece in the Wall Street Journal this morning. Andy Kessler has an opinion piece uh, titled, Who Pays for Crypto's Collapse? And he effectively talks about what may be just a barrage of, you know, uh, class action lawsuits and, and effectively makes uh, somewhat of a parallel or at least draws, tries to draw a parallel between 2000 and, and in fact, how many of those lawsuits ended up Effectively keeping, I mean, it was that plus everything else that kept so many retail investors out of the market for, call it, 18 years. Yeah, listen, I unfortunately didn't see that article this morning, but I, I, I get Andy's point. And I, again, there'll be lawsuits and there'll be a lot of consternation from people. Uh, and again, you're going back to 2000. A lot of people said, OK, I'm never going to touch that. Uh, the Nasdaq was a hot stove in 2000. It went from 5,000 something to like 2,300, Andrew, in March of 2000. Uh, it was an utter debacle. Uh, but look at where it is today. If you stayed in there, even with the current price decline down 30% from its highs, 
you're up five and a half to six to one. Uh, and it just augurs for people to be patient and see through this stuff. Now, you're mentioning the debacle in Bitcoin and, and so forth. You've taken several hundred billion dollars out of the market. But what's unique about this market is it's decentralized. Imagine a trillion dollar wipeout in the banking community, the money center banks, what the Fed would have to do in response to that. And so um, a decentralized structure, uh, as we know, just think of the American government, is way sturdier than a centralized situation. Uh, and I think people realize that. And that's why the future is going to be built off of these Web3 properties. And even though we're going through a bloodbath right now, the uncertainty of the pandemic, uh, higher than expected inflation numbers, and a Fed not coming to the rescue, uh, I still think the future is very bright. And you have to see through uh, the current market morass to, uh, to, to see that future. And, and, I, and I predict the supply chain will get straightened out. The inflation numbers will be way better by the back half of the year. Uh, and you'll be saying to yourself, thank God I stayed in there or thank God I bought into this treacherous environment. Anthony Scaramucci, appreciate you joining us, especially on a morning like today. Yeah. Thanks. And just as a diversion, the Dodgers, Anthony, are still favored, barely. Then the Yankees, then the, then the Astros, then the Mets. There could be a Subway Series, Anthony. That, would not, that doesn't take a lot. And well, what, hopefully, if you always, hopefully you'll come with me, Joe. If there's a Subway Series, hopefully you'll be sitting there with me. I doubt whether you're in nosebleed seats either. Uh, I, so I, got, I got good seats, Joe. I, Trust me. I've been a lifelong Met fan. I got very good seats. You can sit right next to me for the Subway Series. Cheese will be next. More Squawk Pod is right ahead, and we'll be talking about the I word, inflation. And maybe there's some good news. Grocery store legend Stu Leonard. I think a lot of the numbers you're seeing in the news right now are lagging to last month. I think we're at the tip of the, the wave here. Stu, that is the best news we've heard all morning. Plus, uh, reading the charts, this should be good. Katie Stockton, uh, she'll hold our hand a little bit, although she's, you know, she hasn't been that positive, but we need to hear it. We I scare you when she tells well, you she'll hold next. our hand. It's, it's a secular bull. Someday the sun will shine again. Exactly. The sun might come up. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Welcome back to Squawk Pod from CNBC. I'm Katie Kramer. The threat of a bear market is rattling Wall Street. The S&P 500 sits on the edge of a 20% decline from recent market highs thanks to surging bond yields and 
red-hot inflation numbers. U.S. consumer prices rose more than 8% year-over-year in May, the fastest rise since 1981. That report led to a stock slump Friday and put the S&P, which tracks the performance of the 500 largest U.S. companies, down 19% from its January high. Today, we're digging deeper into the numbers and looking at what's a comfortable floor for a market on the edge and a measure of fear surging. Here's Joe Kernan. Join us now, Katie Stockton, founder and managing partner at Fairlead Strategies. Uh, Katie, we, we were talking about some of your previous, uh, I don't know whether they're predictions really, they're just reading the charts and forecasts, but uh, after what you thought might be a respite, you talked about the 3,500 resistance, I'm sorry, support on the S&P and then eventually 3,200. Um, it looks like we're testing 38 today. Uh, is it happening quicker than you thought? And, and could we get a, a, the ultimate low before the fall? I would say yes, it definitely is happening quicker. I thought we would push out of that consolidation phase last week, and yet we saw quite the opposite, took out some minor intraday support. And with that breakdown, just one close below, we saw the acceleration to the downside. And that, of course, is indicative of what we're in, which is a bear market. So it is happening fast. It often does. And that does indicate that perhaps the low will unfold quicker than we also expect. It, it is often the case. Um, and yet we want to um, sort of respect the downtrend for now. The momentum is to the downside across intermediate and long-term time frames. It's also deteriorated, of course, short-term here. And now the S&P 500 is poised to break that 3815 level. For us, we require a couple of good weekly closes below an important level like that to suggest we have a confirmed breakdown. It does appear likely. And as you mentioned, the next support is roughly 3,500 and beyond that, about 3,200. The breakdown would actually target 3,200, but that 3,500 is an interim level. So if it's a strengthening trend from there, then we'll respect that as support. Yeah, I wonder uh, whether that gets us to August or September, a, a, a brief um, stop at 3,500 and maybe a bounce from there and then uh, the sickening slow uh, move lower uh, down to that eventual low. The, the, the VIX is troublesome, and we've pointed out that it, it isn't indicating the fear that, that you would normally see at a sustainable bottom. You've done some work on the VIX uh, as well. Right. So, so the VIX we use as a transactional gauge of market sentiment. And when it comes off its lows, of course, it's suggesting that fear is increasing. Basically, we, we see um, obviously its spike with lows in the S&P 500. There is an inverse correlation there that we're very respectful of. And yet it's been relatively subdued considering the downside that we've seen. And it almost feels like folks are resolved to the fact that this downtrend is upon us and will continue. We expect that the ultimate low for the S&P 500 will occur much higher than current levels. The VIX itself has some resistance of roughly 38 on the chart. So it's just based on previous highs. So sometimes you'll see a, sh a short-term move sort of stall there, and then it presses the reset button. But it, undeniably, we are in this higher volatility cycle. And that's something that I would expect to stay with the market until it does bottom. And to your point on the timeframe, August, September, it'd be very natural to see that September timeframe, maybe even out to October, in terms of capturing a market low. Katie Stockton, thanks for the update. Of course. Those are all horrible numbers, but thanks for the update. S and P, VIX, 3815, 3500, and CPI. 
so many letters, so many numbers. The Consumer Price Index reading that spooked Wall Street contained this little nugget. While food prices are up, yeah, we know, you may not be saving that much by cooking. Food at home prices increased 11.9% since May 2021. Becky Quick spoke today with Stu Leonard, who runs an eponymous chain of grocery stores in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And Leonard joined us via Zoom from the produce section. And Stu, it's good to see you again. Um, I'm sure hey, the morning, eleven Beth. I'm sure the 11.9% increase didn't come as a surprise to you. I, I think people are probably more interested in, in what comes next. What are you seeing just in terms of the prices that you have to pay for food? Well, um, Becky, first of all, I think it's the retailer that's that's important. I mean, because the way I sort of explain it to everybody, it's like like Stu Leonard's and one of our dairy farmers and the customer are all sitting at a at a restaurant together and the check comes. And what we've done really is just said, hey, why don't we all split it? And that's the way we've approached it. So you haven't seen price increases on everything. We're holding butter, we're holding ground chuck, just like Costco, we're uh, rotisserie chicken, we're holding the price on that, even though the costs have gone up. But um, today you can feel it out there from the suppliers uh, that, that their costs have gone up. Just look at the diesel fuel to put in their tractors and their fishing boats. So what what do they tell you in terms of what to expect, let's say a month from now, two months from now, as they start laying their contracts out? How, how much more food inflation are we going to be dealing with? Well, I think you're going to see it in, in certain spotty areas, like lobster prices soared the last couple of years, you know, um, to, to record levels that none of our, that we've never seen before, uh, ever. And we're starting to see them come down. We were just in Kansas City with our ranchers out there, and they said they're seeing the beef prices now stabilize. So I think a lot of the numbers you're seeing in the, in the, in, on the news right now are lagging to last month or, or so. And I feel right now the seas are calming a little bit. And, That's and great news. You, I, I think we're at the tip of the, 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 the wave here, and, and it's hopefully going to uh, stabilize or get a little bit better in the future. So that is the best news we've heard all morning. Um, that, that just, I'm just, I'm just telling you from on the floor store here, what I feel just talking to suppliers. I don't, I, I can't, I can't argue with all the numbers you're, you're putting out there that the expert economists are talking about, but that's just what we feel uh, ground game here at Stu Leonard. Well, you're on the front lines. You've got a better idea than anybody who's doing this just from an economics point of view. Um, in terms of seeing those higher lobster prices, is there a point where people just say, forget it, this is too expensive, we're not going to buy it anymore? And are there other items that, that have reached that? Well, you know what we're seeing today is people are buying what they need and not what they want. Um, you know, they're, and they're also very cautious about what they're buying. You're absolutely right. As the price of lobster goes up, they're going to switch over to less expensive. They're going to maybe eat more shrimp, more salmon, but they're going to switch. And, and you see that happening uh, in food. Like right now, chicken prices are higher than the, the ground beef price. So it's more expensive to put a chicken breast on the grill than it is a hamburger. Right. That never I've, I've been doing this for 50 years now in our family business, and I've never seen that happen before. You know, there's some crazy things going on in the markets today that we've never experienced uh, uh, before. I do want to thank you for your time this morning. That gives us a little bit of bright news and a little bit of hope. So thank hey, you very Becky, much. Can I, can I just one second? Uh, my wife and I lost a little son to a drowning, okay? And 
just I want to just say to all the listeners, please be safe around the water at this time of the year with your kids. Stu, that's a great reminder. I, I know it was your son, Stewie, and I'm very, very sorry for it. But thank you for the reminder. And be making safe. sure everybody Have a great summer. Care. Thanks. You too, Stu. Thank you we very much. Thank you. And that is Squawk Pod for today. Thank you for listening. I've had a couple of weeks off. Well-deserved, I think. And it is great to be back with you today on the podcast. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin every weekday morning starting at 6 Eastern right on CNBC. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, follow Squawk Pod wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll meet you right back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.